This is Larry Zerner, Shelley from Friday 13th Part 3. You're on Nightmare Junkhead. Hey, genius, fuck you too. in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that never answers a knocked-upon door. My name is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're syncing up our iPods and saying, yes, we can, as we go into the mouth of March Madness and travel back 10 years to talk the horror classics from our 2008 bracket. But before we get into that, let me remind you, we are part of the phenomenally frightening Phantom Podcast Network. Phantom. And you can find all of our past episodes along with a host of other horrific horror podcasts at downrightcreepy.com. Or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go, simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All about Millennium Hole. And we are now in our last decade of horror. Yes. Here into the uh, into the mouth of March Madness tournament. The light of the end of the tunnel is the, 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 the tunnel of like souls. Yeah. Don't, don't go into the light there, right. genius. Caroline, this bracket is blessed. <laughs> it's, it, it's clear. <laughs> but what's interesting is the films that we're going to be talking about here in 2008 is here recently you get people, they're really caught up in what a film does like in its opening weekend. Mm-hmm. And based on that, there's a lot of judgment laid upon a film, Yeah, which just seems so short-sighted to me. Mm-hmm. So like, like, for example, if they went with money, and opening weekend things, we wouldn't have like half of John Carpenter's film catalog. You know what I'm saying? So like, I think it's very short sighted to do that. Many but, films, kind of like a good wine. You know, you need to have to let it breathe, let, let it breathe, it, let it age mm-hmm. a little. And all the films here in 2008, the ones that we're going to talk about today, and the, even the ones that we you know made reference to our honorable mentions, mm-hmm. these are the films now that are truly finding their legs. Yeah. You know, we often talk about, like we just said, you know, the measure of a film's worth is not its opening weekend, but are we still talking, talking about, about it? it? The rewatchability, the, uh, the discussion, the was it good, was it bad, was it meh, you know? <laughs> and, so. you know, that's the actually what the entirety of this tournament is about. These mm-hmm. films that we are still talking about, you know, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 years ago, these films are truly important and are worth revisiting. Mm-hmm. And for me, and even in 2008, it does not seem... Like that long ago. It's a decade. Right? I mean, like, Siri, in all fairness, if somebody says the 80s, I'm thinking 20 years ago. You know, I'm like. Not, not so much any. No, right? That's ridiculous. Time is not on our side at this point. If I could put time in a bottle. And that's what's so bizarre is I think of 2008, I think of more modern horror. Right. But even 10 years ago, that could be seen. Yeah. As older. That's ridiculous. Like, we're going to talk about, like, The Strangers. And, like, The Strangers seemed like it only came out three years ago. Actually, 10. So. It's, Man, it's a mind fuck. It true. It's a mind fuck. It, again, it gives us a chance to revisit films, and it also has a chance to look at our own mortality. Mortality and be sad about it. Like, <laughs> like, oh man, where did the ten years go? I'm still doing the god save fucking thing that I did when I saw the strangers the first time. So it's like, <laughs> well, I suppose if we're gonna be dour that way, um, <laughs> let's go ahead and start talking. At about least we're some watching good movies. Yeah. At least we're watching great movies. So, <laughs> well, interestingly enough, you know throughout. <laughs> Throughout the entirety of this tournament, there's been, at least so far, between the 70s, 80s, and 90s, mm-hmm. there's only been a handful of films 
that I've found that I need to be in a mood to watch. Mm-hmm. But if you go through the bracket of 2008, <laughs> there are several films that I realize, damn, right? There's I a... need to be in a specific kind of mood to watch. Yes, and I found one of those out specifically in this bracket. So starting top to bottom here on the bracket, our first pairing are two just ultimately very dour films. Yeah. Uh, and it's the first Well, action. none of them are in the, in the 2008 are happy films. All of these are like super like depressing in a way. They really are. I mean, none of them's like a feel-good film. And the, the Martyr sure as fuck ain't, you know? <laughs> and I have a feeling kind of based on the way the nature of our conversations have gone in the tournament, we'll probably really get into the meat of that. Yeah. Looking at the time they were made and mm-hmm. some, especially when we bring in our fellow podcasters. But no, it's definitely Definitely, truly a sign of the times. Uh, but honestly, we haven't had any wild card pairings yeah. in the tournament so far. And we usually we do that with our tournament, uh, the bracket topics, is if we don't really have any connective tissue. But we want to talk to about those movies. But, but what's really funny, when re-watching these films, I'll have a topic for a bracket, even if it is a wild card. All right. But we are talking about The Strangers going up against Dead Girl. Mm-hmm. Genius, which of these two films shall we discuss first? Let's, let's talk about Dead Girl. Let's so, talk about Dead Girl. Now, this is one I did not see in the theater. Mm-hmm. I got to this one very late, but mm-hmm. I know this was also this was your first, first time. time. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna before we get into your first time here. I, I do want to share. This is one of those films for me. Like I said, I didn't see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a tub film, and what I mean by a tub film is just to give a little peek inside the curtain here. Right, as I happen to have this really awesome big bathtub it is fucking dope and i've been fortunate enough that it's not necessarily for bathing purposes it's for binging purposes <laughs> it's a binge bath it is and that doesn't sound hopefully as dirty you know right. it's not very much uh you know a sodom 120 days or anything like that <laughs> a serbian bath but <laughs> i've gone through the entirety of the x-files in that tub uh i've seen i've had one of my and the lone gunman yes <laughs> <laughs> it was millennial through there. Right. <laughs> but I've also had some of my all-time favorite viewing experiences in that tub. Uh, go back to our It Follows episode. <laughs> Phenomenal first time viewing, but Dead Girl was a tub viewing. And honestly, and I only mention that because this is one of those films that you feel like you need either a hot shower or a hot bath afterwards. And I was so familiar with that, just aware of it my entire going, I'm kind of glad I'm in a tub right now because I feel so dirty watching this film segues your first viewing you you were mad at me weren't you i I was i almost texted you halfway through and like what the fuck are you making me watch why is this in the tournament i I know i'm like i even i was like we should have put fucking cloverfield in there right we switch it out and like (laughs) i was like what the fuck am i watching i for those of you who are following along the bracket and you never seen dead girl before and you watched it that's greg that's all. That's all. Greg's pick. I want to apologize. <laughs> no, I. This movie. Okay, I. You know what? I was pissed off. Like not pissed off at you, but like angry at the what the fuckery for about the first forty five minutes of the movie. I'm like, this is weird. It's not going anywhere. It's gross. This guy's despicable. He's just fucking a zombie. Is what it is. Forty five minutes of fucking a zombie. Then it gets really serious and really weird, almost teen drama. And then it goes, what the fuckery? When, Again. When, like, bad shit insanity happens. And then it didn't, it, it didn't, it lost me all the way up into, like, the last, like, 
half hour. Then I was like, okay, this movie's fun and it's getting good and I'm not now I'm invested. I was still angry at the character. It was one of those like you stupid teenagers, you know? It was I was channeling my inner get off my lawn cuz I really was. I mean, you're doing these vile things and then you're angry at other people for calling you out on fucking his dead girl, you know what I'm saying? And then like his whole like, well, let's make more and let's It wasn't until he got bit in the dick when I was fully on board with this movie because up until then I was like yeah. well you need a, a film like this you need that comeuppance yes and you need something vile happening and then, honestly again we have genital trauma here yeah. in the Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament it was a slow burn movie but then it just got went way off the rails and that's when I enjoyed it more when it went like full on almost comedy mm-hmm. because it was a very serious film at the beginning which threw me off and and like it had very serious themes, it was almost a Jack Ketchum film. I God rest his soul. Right? Recently passed. I was I was totally like thinking along along the of the woman or the girl mm-hmm. next door. Mm-hmm. I just think those movies were done a little bit more with gore in it. This seemed almost like I said up until like the last half, it was almost too much teen drama for me. But then when it went crazy and actually went straight into horror and there was main villains and shit, then I was like, okay. I like this movie. And that makes sense. And especially when ultimately you see they almost kind of want to franchise this opportunity they have. Right. To monetize, like to fuck a girl, zombie girl. These are reprehensible characters. And it reminds me of just not of high school, but of a scenario that you would see. You would hear almost like urban legend esque. Did you hear about these two guys that found this and then insert whatever? Zombie sex slave. Right. Oh, so creepy. So, yeah. Like I said, this is one of those tub movies. I'm glad I was in the tub because throughout the entirety of it, I was like, I just, this is not the kind of film I seek out and I'm going to probably watch again in the near future. And there was a lot of nudity, but none of it was titillating. No, 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 no. It's it, not a titillating nudity movie. And if and you are, <laughs> then you have bigger issues than filling out the bracket. If you're like, God oh, damn, this is... If, if Dead know, Girl made it to the Fight for right. Four in your 2008 bracket. You got bigger fish to fry. You, I'm just kidding. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but, yeah. It's cathartic for everyone. Right. We're not passing judgment. I didn't. I mean, okay. I will. Like, I totally shit on this movie, but I will give it some good, like, some good things. The The girl, the main girl was terrifying. She, the dead girl, the actual dead girl. Jenny was, Spain. She was spooky as shit. And the fact that she looked like she half the time enjoyed it and then half the time hated it and then half the time was ready to kill you, it was just like, wow, this is a very creepy, creepy movie. When you have to you know, deliver that many emotions as a dead girl, so right. to speak, that's tough. That's like that's a legitimate tough act. I mean, that's a great yeah. acting With just facial expressions because she didn't make any sounds. Mm. It was just, just like growls and shit and for her to like pull off some sort of pathos mm-hmm. i mean it's no long bub no. but it's definitely you're like you feel bad you don't want these kids diddling this poor zombie girl you know and that well let me ask you this where does this then uh kind of uh fall in the zombie pantheon for uh-huh. you does this is this something that you would throw is this a zombie film it is because she bit him she turned into a zombie she was obviously dead because right. she's been sealed up in that room for at least Out 30 of, 40 years mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's totally, it's not a virus. It's not a thing because she's infected. Does it add anything new to the zombie mythos? I don't think so. But the fact of the matter is you can fuck one, apparently. Um, I don't know if I would personally. Eh, I don't know. Oh, boy. I don't know. Depends on the zombie. But... (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I would almost even like go into something that kind of explores zombie love and just the, kind of the abuse. The I don't know if I go of, love. Well, no, but that, but like Return of the Living Dead Part Three, right. I always thought could take a more interesting because I think they're trying to add something new to this, mm-hmm. even if maybe even just putting it in the teen setting. Yeah, but like you said, just there's something to it. But where... I, I think putting it in the teen setting was a detriment to it mm-hmm. because it is a heavy movie and teens don't always think correctly during well, that's heavy probably thing your frustration situa- right but i think if they would have made it as adults it wouldn't have been so like you it would be uh, you know what i think i think the main my main issue with this movie is the tonal pacing of it yeah because it's really it gets really funny i mean towards the end it's really Mad funny Capri. it is and if they would have kept that theme throughout the whole even the beginning and stuff but i would understand they have to make it somewhat serious because yeah you're dealing with very serious and adult and especially in themes. today's current climate right. the way everything is right they now this make... is one of those films that might even resonate more loudly now yeah but than it did in 2008 they wouldn't be able to make it today no no this at all. is one of those films that no i mean just showing kids doing what they did i mean when we say kids we're not talking about 10 year olds no no these are high school seniors or probably adults playing high yeah. school seniors but at the same time <laughs> that was that was a interesting movie to watch. Well, I'm I'm you're welcome. <laughs> I think I'm trying to decide whether that goes on there. Well, no, I mean I'm glad I watched it. All in all, said and done. But you know, it's, it, well, we should have picked Cloverfield. Nope. And that and like and like we said, ultimately when we put these things together, any other day Cloverfield could have been right. Here. Right. No, but. Yeah, out of the out of the brackets, this one was not my favorite. Let's well, put it that way. Well, let's then transition to something we're probably both a little bit more familiar with, mm-hmm. uh, The Strangers. Mm-hmm. Now, this is one that I did see in the theater. Me too. Now, I'm going to start with your theater experience first because I don't know if you realize the kind of what – and what I realize is the profound importance of The Strangers to this podcast. Let us start with your initial theater experience. <sighs> I laughed. A lot in the theater, my dark evil laugh. Oh no! Oh no! At, at highly inappropriate times. And if you were at the uh, the Panic Film Festival, what was the Pukus? P- Poughkeepsie tapes. Poughkeepsie tapes. You experienced <laughs> that De Niro esque laughter from Cape Fear. <laughs> yeah. And now, but this is not a funny movie. No, it's not. What is your What is your damage, man? What was so funny about it? It was just like I, I don't know. It was the the scene that really scared me. But then it scared me to the point where I had to laugh. Was when she's in the house looking out the window and sack face is behind her in the hallway pulls that shape-esque reveal and then just disappears and then later on when like she's scared like rah at the window and she's like ah, and she falls backwards and shit i cracked up i don't know if it was like one of those like scared laughs yep i don't think it was i mean I think it, it was been, it potentially. was but i was like ha 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 and then like everybody in the theater was like oh shit but like the people freaked the fuck out in the theater. Mm-hmm. And and then even I remember going home thinking, like, making sure all my doors were locked. And just if anybody knocks on the door, is Tamara home? Oh, just not answer the door. Exactly. No, it's, as you mentioned, you live your life via movies. You will right. not walk on grates. We, we already mentioned it here in the, the tournament. We will not go in the water. Yeah. We now know you will not answer. If, is Tamara home? <laughs> no, there's nobody named Tamara here. And even if she wasn't, not open the door. <laughs> Get your baby doll face out of here. Uh, so so just distressing. Well, I, I also saw this in the theater, but I had the opposite experience you had. I had such a horrible time in the theater from people on their phones, people talking Boo. throughout that I ultimately left not even a quarter of the way through the through the showing. It was horrible. Mm. But it was that very screening 
that inspired me to start screening movies at my house. Ah. Hence, movie night was born. From movie night came Nerds of Nostalgia. Yeah. From Nerds of Nostalgia came this very podcast. And we all have Tamara to thank. It's indeed. Nice. Indeed. Now, I eventually did get to see this again in the theater, and I got a chance to see it uh, as part of the Dismember the Alamo uh, horror marathon a few uh, years three ago. Three years ago? Four years ago? More than two years ago. Oh, yeah. It was, okay. they opened with, this is an interesting line. Check out this lineup. See if you would have enjoyed this. Uh, they uh-huh. opened up with Halloween Part 6. Yeah. <laughs> it was... <laughs> You okay, know, okay, 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 okay. Um, Teach their own, but yeah. 35 millimeter screening of Suspiria. That'd be dopey shit. Quite good. Yeah, we've seen it. It's, it's dope. It, it is it, dope. It works so well. Yeah. The Strangers. Uh-huh. And then The Invitation. I have not yet seen The Invitation. Okay. Okay. But I've heard nothing but good things, and especially from you. Oh, yeah. No, love me The Invitation, Karin Kusuma. I, w- it was interesting, and the reason that I say this is I had a great experience that time in the theater obviously the alamo no shouting this or that but what was really interesting was the couple next to me the gentleman that was there hated everything from suspiria the strangers and the invitation hated the strangers hated really the strangers and that's what i find so interesting about the film because i am a huge fan of it yeah i think it's truly scary it's dreadful it's suspenseful but to see people have, and he had like this visceral reaction. Just, yeah. God, that was the dumbest movie I've ever seen. It was just stupid. It was, so was there Strangers, My It Comes at Night? I think it was for this guy. Um, because uh, Ryan was hosting at the time, was pumping up the movie. It was Ryan and Tim, actually. Uh-huh. And I was, I love The Strangers. I was, ready, I was yeah. ready to see it in the theater. I'm like, finally, I can have that wonderful experience. Right. And people around us did, re- I mean, people were, ah! Uh-huh. Because as you mentioned, there are moments in that film that are truly terrifying. Yeah. Your home and is safe place, and yeah. Also, a fact that um, do, 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 do. the fact that Dennis Reynolds shows up in this film, which is so sweet the now. Dennis system. It, it was the implication I think that went <laughs> it wrong was, it in was. that case. Is Charlie there? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. It's I I I'm scared of this film. Mm-hmm. I think the use of a slow burn yeah. in this case it's perfect for a home invasion. Mm-hmm. A slow burn is absolutely perfect, and that's where like movies like Hush, movies like a lot of these like now have the strangers to compete because when it comes to stylistic big budget home invasion movies, the strangers came at a perfect time and just is a great example of how to make the home terrifying with not any supernatural forces. And let me just tell you this, uh, rewatching all these films as we do for the tournament, recently single now, having cohabitated for more than 10 plus years, the knock on a door didn't used to scare me. Mm-hmm. Now by myself with poor Lola, who's a little bit older now, I don't think she's as you know ready to go. Anytime I hear a knock on the door, God forbid Lola barks. Right. I'm now terrified. <laughs> I don't. Not that I could, you know, even back in the day, you know, having someone there. At least you had safety in numbers. Yeah. Now, oh, right. and so watching this again just killed me. Oh. The same thing. I'm watching it at home, and I'm I, I live alone too, and I'm thinking, okay, well, fucking Owen ain't gonna do shit. If somebody walks right in right now, my cat's just going to be like, sup, you want to pet me? You know? And then, like, whatever. Is Tamara home? No. <laughs> Kill. Hi, kitty. Hey, you kitty. know? Right? That's going to be it. And so I made sure, like, after the movie, I don't know. It was Pavlovian. I locked the door, made mm-hmm. sure they're locked. And, like, yeah, no. And I will say this. What's crazy is the fact that 10 years later <laughs> now, we are getting a sequel 
to the strangers mm-hmm. and much you go back into our tournament there uh, we had a sequel that came out 10 years later uh, we talked Phantasm. about Phantasm 2 mm-hmm. it's crazy how that works uh, now I will uh, pass judgment until I see the strangers too it's going to come out here in a few weeks so we'll yeah. play that I'm, I'm anxious to see it though don't get me wrong mm-hmm. I've heard it's totally different from the strangers uh, but last thoughts on the strangers before we show our work and we see which one of these two films advances it, you know what normally I would wouldn't mind if like Two girls came knocking on my door at three o'clock in the morning, but not if they're asking for camera. So it kind of put a very uh, ruined a couple of penthouse letters I was writing. So just change the names, you know, protect the innocent. Is, um, is genius home? Is he, as a matter of fact, come on in. Born a sin, come on in. So, I regret nothing. <laughs> so here in the Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament, we do like to show our work, and mm-hmm. we have two categories that we're going to focus on to mm-hmm. see which of these two films advances into the round of the Scream 16. Mm-hmm. And the first, as we always ask, is which of these two films are closer to your heart? Closer to the heart! <laughs> One of these days we're going to hit that Pete yeah. Getty Lee yep. impression there. Mm-hmm. But which film ties into your nostalgia? And then, of course, which of the two films fit the better bracket topic? So Genius let me ask you, which of these two films, The Strangers or Dead Girl, are closer to your heart? Dead Girl. No. Um, the Strangers. I saw it in the theater. I saw it first, and I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it the second time watching. So, If it wasn't for The Strangers, if it was not for that horrible theatrical screening, we may not be here talking, debating The Strangers yeah. and Dead Girl. While I appreciate viewing The Dead Girl, I t- <laughs> it was a great initial experience because it was a tub viewing, but again... We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the right. strangers. So for nostalgia, that should get to the automatically. Heart. That should automatically just like that and like mm-hmm. return to live. Any Linnea automatically just goes. It's if just, it has a tie to the podcast, I, just, we're trying not to be biased here. But at the same time, you know. I mean. Well, then, so I mentioned the bracket topic initially was wild card. Going mm-hmm. back to our it's always sunny uh, roots there. <laughs> wild card, bitches! Yeah. So I thought rather than going wild card, mm-hmm. let me ask you this. And I, I talked a little bit about Dead Girl, but The Strangers itself is supposedly based upon a true story. It's technically yeah. based upon the true story of that home invasion. Which of these two films fit a better urban legend motif? Hmm. Because if you think about again with Dead Girl, you had you you always heard about the two people, the the kid that found found the dead body or something in there. But then again, you always hear about the one. Did you hear about the babysitter that like Mm -hmm. didn't lock the door and some Mm -hmm. stranger came up and fucked her up? Both of these are technically almost cautionary tales. Mm -hmm. But which of the two then are better urban legend for you? I've heard more stories of (laughs) home invasions, whether they be killer clowns, whether they be everything. Whenever I hear somebody finding a dead body or something in there, I'm like, okay, I don't think of did they fuck it, you know? That, that that's not you don't introduce that avenue into your narrative, right? If someone's like home invaded, like oh somebody got fucked up, didn't they? You know, oh, I found a dead body. Did you fuck it? You know, no. <laughs> so for for bracket urban legend, just because. <laughs> Just because you don't want to end up on a list somewhere. Right. I'm going to go strangers because like, there's more home invasion stories than fucking dead people. Although, not if you listen to our podcast. Uh, Greg D. does not condone any of the messages <laughs> by Genius McGree shared here on Nightmare Junkhead. I'd like to put that out there. But nerds and nostalgia, however. <laughs> we can go creeps and nostalgia there. We have that license. <laughs> This is what's tough for me because ultimately in The Strangers, the, the part that ultimately really shook me up is when the kids find yeah. Tyler. Yeah. That's where the urban legend itself starts, much like you get the same thing with Dead Girl. But ultimately coming from a more urban 
area when I was in high school, you know, I mentioned before we had the supposedly haunted satanic hills of um, where, oh my God, Bane's Crossing. Mm-hmm. So uh, for some reason, I'm going to go yes. with, not he was only, he was merely born in it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say with the strangers as well on this one, just because I like the fact that they introduced the kids with that. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds a little bit dirty. At, least they, at least they didn't fuck it. Exactly. Like, exactly. Oh no, we found Liv Tyler. What'd you do? Uh, well, poking with a stick is one thing. <laughs> poking with a different stick is another. Entirely. Well, by a score <laughs> of four votes to nothing, uh, don't wow. answer the the door there, dead Tamara girl. Kicked their ad. T- t- that dead girl's name was Tamara. It's, yes, it was. Yes. yes, it was. We are going to see the strangers in the round of the Scream sixteen, which leads us to our next bracket. And I'd like to think that ultimately. Especially in these next few brackets, we are giving our listeners a little bit more foreign flavor. Je les bon. Quite honestly, yeah, quite mm-hmm. literally here in our next uh, bracket. But this next one here, we have two international films, both taking on your traditional mm-hmm. monsters. Something old, something, something new. new, which is our bracket topic. So we have... Let the right one in, mm-hmm. going up against Pontypool. Mm-hmm. Genius, which of these two do we start talking about first? Let the right one in. Saw it in the theater. Me? No, I did not. I saw this at the Tivoli. Now, if we're, we're going very regional here. So here in the Kansas City, Missouri area, the Tivoli, it's our fine arts theater. Yeah, the fancy one. But in fairness, the Tivoli is also where we hosted a screening of A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. <laughs> right. With Mark Patton. In, in audience. With a pop gun. <laughs> so... It's also the place I saw Dead Alive back in 93. Really? Yes. I saw the road there. See? So they they bring in these great genre films, mm-hmm. and it was through word of mouth that I heard I needed to see this up-and-coming Swedish vampire film. Count Bork. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what I maybe would have you know thought about many years ago, but I had such a good time with it because it had been built up, yeah. quite honestly. Oh, yeah. Especially with, like, because that was the heyday of Ain't It Cool and Joe Blow and all that other stuff. Chud.com. Uh-huh. And I'd heard so It had been hyped so much. And it was one of those times, thankfully, that the hype lived up to it because yeah. I enjoy the hell out of this movie. From seeing it the first time, experiencing it, um, watching it again, it's a beautiful film. Mm-hmm. It's cold. Yes. It's a cold, cold movie. And I can't remember, did we, uh, back in December, we did an episode uh, devoted to films that are best watched in December? I think we did. Did we mention I that? I think okay, we mentioned about the right one in, because I hope so. If not, it should be on there. But <laughs> We do deserve a little... Right, asterisk. Yes. Right there on the asterisk. If we did not, we got to go back to the archives. <laughs> well, this is also a film, it is a traditional, it's, I dare say a traditional vampire film. It is a traditional vampire film, but with a new spin on it. With a youthful perspective. Perspective, dare mm-hmm. you say, because you get the the lovely little bullied Oscar, and you get and again as an introvert, as a kid that doesn't you know really play well with others, I always identify with things like that. So when yeah. you ultimately see him bullied, and then he eventually makes his friend with Eli, and then you ultimately you know it's El, excuse me Ellie, uh-huh. and then you ultimately learn of Ellie, her relationship with everything else, it's, and cats and cat and cats. Yes, I this is a film. I thought it added a little cool element to mm-hmm. the vampire mythos. It definitely gave the vampire a lot of um, <laughs> pathos. And it made you feel and care about this vampire girl who's probably at least 200 years old and this poor little boy. And it's upon rewatching it, it's kind of mean and sad. 
what this vampire girl really is trying to do. Her ultimate. Her end old. game. Because you don't see that until like multiple reviewings or even later. Because it wasn't until like the second time of this reviewing mm-hmm. that I saw. Because I remember just like loving it when I rented it. And it is a gorgeous movie. Fantastically well paced. I mean, well shot. Uh, great story. But then afterwards, you think about it you're like, she is a villain. She is the main villain of this story. I need to groom you so you can go and kill for me uh-huh. and let me continue this existence. But, but honestly, it comes down to the fact that she, no, she has to exist. This is right. how it has to continue. It's inevitability, and it's the curse of that the vampirism. To that she's for she's perpetually a twelve year old girl, you know, and she does need her Renfield. Yeah. So it's just like well, and even this. I remember when I saw it in the theater that initial shock when you get the reveal mm-hmm. of Ellie and what she was originally and as you know the quite literally the transformation if right. you will that was shocking in and of itself but excuse me been suffering i've been sorry i've been i've been suffering from a cold here lately that that's I why a lot of the, the coughing I... and everything um but ultimately it was what i thought what was really cool was you get this great moment where she wants to come into the apartment hasn't been invited yet and then you see she comes in and you see the effect of what happens to a vampire when they're not invited in. Mm-hmm. And that was so unsettling. Just bleeding from everywhere. Oh. Just oh. realize the importance of proper etiquette. I mean, to like be a vampire and become exsanguinated yourself, that's that's fucked up. That's yeah. like insult to injury in the vampire world. And also you think about the fact that you were stuck in this particular body. You go back to 1987's Near Dark and Homer. Homer, yeah. Poor guy. I felt bad for Homer. He did despicable things. But at the same time, you understood what he was trying to go for. And technically, it's the same thing with Ellie. Yeah. But ultimately, it's... She's not wanting him for the long game. No. She's wanting... The long game for him, but not the long game for her. No. No. But ultimately, though, there you know you have to be compatible with that person, though. Mm-hmm. So there has to be chemistry there. I mean, and there was a friendship there. I mean, and there, they do care about oh, how that... And uh, the comeuppance in that swim pool scene with the bullies... was great. Was great, beautifully shot. Yeah. I've never, you know, you like pools. You'll stay in a pool, maybe, as maybe. long as a piranha doesn't maybe. get in there. Maybe, but just that shot when he's submerged, <sighs> and then you hear the bloosh, and then you see the decapitated head, and the feet's going like oh, super oh, fast across and the, back the pool. Thing. Yes. Yeah, there was some great, great, great effects. Now I have to ask you. I know the first time you <laughs> saw this film, you were not a cat person. Mm-hmm. Now you are a cat person. Mm-hmm. Now that you are a cat person. Does your perspective change with that weird-ass scene now with the cats? So I have to tell you a story. I told you this off mic, and I'm going to tell this story. Um, before God rest your soul, before your cat passed away, Kitty, she would love to fuck with me. And for those of you longtime listeners know, the Mulberry Street, Tales from the Dark Side, whenever time there was a cat around, for some reason, right when it would get scary, Kitty would jump on me or do something. She had an impeccable timing she had great timing i my hat off to her for knowing how to win to scare she she'll was, truly she be was missed. great truly be missed. exactly well owen who is the laziest shit i love him to death and he's so lovable but he doesn't do anything i mean he just flats on his back and wants you to pet him so like i'm watching this scene and it's getting good and, and i'm into this movie because i dig the movie and there's that scene where she that the newly transformed vampire woman goes in and the cats just start attacking her and the cats there was one scene like when they finally jump her like wow like that and they just attack her at that exact same moment owen decided to jump into my lap 
and I was like, Wah! I literally like like flipped him off me, not even like, God, and he across the room looked at me like, Wah! and then just kind of went off, and I'm like, somewhere Kitty <laughs> is smiling. She did a whole like Whoopi Goldberg, Whoopi Goldberg, Goldberg ghost. ghost thing. And like, <laughs> Too bad you didn't do anything new with your hair at that point. <laughs> right? Ditto. It's <laughs> Autumn Sunrise. <laughs> I, the power of those good jump scares yeah. that's been wonderful well, so, I'm glad you know what that adds that element though to that viewing which makes it that much more it memorable made, it made that viewing especially wonderful and honestly I'm curious to see how many people saw the remake of this film that came out maybe just maybe two or three years afterwards I will give the remake a lot of kudos you want to know why Richard, Richard Jenkins. Jenkins yes Richard Jenkins he's <laughs> and there was a lot more gore in that pool scene yeah you know um, American audience. Yeah. But the character that they did with Richard Jenkins, they it, totally enhanced it than the original. They improved, in my mind, on the remake, the character development, especially with Richard Jenkins. I mean, I felt like, because I watched the remake pretty close after that, just to, for, yeah. I think there was more friendship, less maliciousness in Chloe Grace Moore in that one. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also think that was probably because for an American audience yeah. as well. But you got so much more pathos with Richard Jenkins as he's, the He's a treasure. Yeah, he I love him in anything he does. And the fact that he shows up in these kind of genre films. Right. And Shape then, of Water, right? Cabin in the Woods, Step Brothers, yes. you know, just <laughs> <laughs> and then he'll, but he's always the best part of those films. Yes. And even the best part when he's in with like an, a serial ensemble mm-hmm. and he's doing it in a, well, The Shape of Water, which is technically now an Oscar award winning film, which is phenomenal. Yeah. He he's, killed it. He did so good in that one. And I, I definitely, for people who don't like remakes, I really think if you've never seen the remake of Let the Right One in, it's because, not bad. Yeah. Definitely check it out. I mean, it's nowhere as good as the original, except with the Richard Jenkins part. Yeah. But it's, fucking great it's well worth your time to seek out both you're not losing either or but another international flair and this time the next film was from our neighbors from the north mm-hmm. and this is one i didn't see in the theater no, me neither. i had to wait till dvd but i had heard word of mouth no pun intended right from from again from like uh, chud and mm-hmm. ain't it cool and all that stuff this weird wacky canadian zombie film quote unquote yes zombie yes film. There's a lot of ambiguity on this, but Pontypool is one I didn't get to until DVD, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know if I understood it maybe the first time I saw it. This right. is a film that really rewards every time you see it. Every time I've watched it, I've appreciated it a little bit more. I'm mm-hmm. picking up on things because it is a film, and especially this time watching it yeah. now that I am... I'm not going to call myself a podcaster, but I was watching it through the lens of a through podcast. a podcasting lens. Going, holy shit, yes, we could do this. Exactly. And the fact of the matter that this whole movie was a radio play yep. first is just phenomenal. The fact that you can have a story like this without any visuals and warrant it like this movie, this story is great. Let's make a movie of it, of just somebody talking was enlightening and wonderful. When I first saw this movie, it was a rental. It blew my mind how good the movie this was. And you don't expect it. And this is when people were really experimenting, not to the point right now about the experiment mm-hmm. with the zombie genre, but they were trying something new, especially with the Kashan of the Dead was mm-hmm. like a little bit before this, I believe. So they're like zombies became new and in vogue again. But to do something this different and to make it that well is a testament to not only the story, but the filmmaking. I found this movie 
significantly better the second watch, but I already loved it after the first one. This was a very unique movie to me. I agreed. I <laughs> appreciate Okay, that was a motor. Oh, Jesus Christ, I thought the apocalypse was just about to come upon us. Pontypool. Pontypool. Yeah. There's a lady in Westchester with her cat stuck in a tree named pra, Pontypool. Pra, pra, Just don't, don't no, what was it? Uh, you can't say anything. Um, oh, good Lord, it was. We have to forget the concept. That's right. You have rhetorical discourse, terms of endearment. Yes, oh. terms of endearment. Well, I challenge. Kill me, kill me, kill me, kill me. Frightening, frightening, so yeah. frightening. Well, this it it goes back to the original, obviously Orson Welles and the yes. War of the Worlds broadcast. Yes, rosebud frozen peas. Today I bring you a story about goblins. No, Mister Wells, we're not talking about what kind of Mickey Mouse shit is this. I'm gonna take some French fries. There's one in my beard. It definitely harkens back <laughs> to that. I don't know how many of our younger listeners can appreciate what that did actually culturally. It scared the, the hell out it, of the nation, it, the entire nation. For all these assholes on YouTube that are pulling pranks and stuff, you will never beat Orson Welles no. when it comes to pranking. He went viral back before you could not go viral. <laughs> before when they only had the radio and the Victrola, you know? <laughs> he have to crank it up. Now that's one's a prank on the president, Franklin D. Roosevelt. You know, like Jesus. Well, it's it, but it, that's what the power, like you said, of the storytelling in this particular film. And what I, also the the most interesting thing I find with this particular film is the transference of the virus. In yes. this case, it's not through biting. Mm -mm. It's not through anything that's airborne. It's literally through language. Right. And the only way it is to forget concepts. Jesus. It's very heavy. This is one of those films, like I said, because I think because of the concept is so heavy and it's nothing that is necessarily low-hanging fruit, lowest common denominator, you do need to watch. You need to listen. You have to be you careful to how listen. you listen you have to, to it. This is not a background movie. No. This is not a <laughs> party is... movie. This is one where you need to sit down and actually, both of these. There are almost all the Everyone films on here practically. are not a party movie at all. I fucking know party. Well, I don't know what kind of party you're going to have at the Martyrs party, but at the same time, um, <laughs> no, this is not. This is one where you, if you, you really need to <laughs> actually sit down and pay attention to this movie, and if you do, you will be heavily rewarded. It's incredible. Um, it's like I said. It's the fact that it's Canadian makes it even that much better. And that guy's voice is like velvet. Oh, it's perfect. It is velvety voice. I want his voice. I want to pair this with like maybe Good Morning Vietnam? Yeah, a nice interesting double feature. Or the Warriors. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. There oh, you attention go. all you boppers. So let us go ahead and pit these two films against each other. Let the right one in and Pontypool. Genius, which one of these two films are closer to your heart? Both of these were um, rentals. So no, no, I never saw Nothing these in, in the theater. Theaters. No bias there. Right. So I'm going to, and I enjoyed them both immensely on the first time I saw them. I think my, but going towards moving up, I know closer to the heart of what we think, but I'm going to talk about the, the rewatch because I like these both at the beginning. I found that I liked Pontypool more the second time I saw it again. And as I continued to watch it, continue. I continued to enjoy it better. Watching Let the Right One In and then realizing that the second time watching that she's meaner than she is took it, the fun it, away took a lot of the fun away and then re remembering that richard jenkins did do a lot better in the remake and yep. making the remake elevated where it could have used more of that character i have to go with pawnee pool for no. closer to the heart 
That makes sense. Ultimately, for me, because I had such a great theater experience, and that makes or breaks a lot of things, obviously. absolutely. The fact that the theater experience remains, I enjoy both of these films. And I'll just say it right now, I definitely, I, I enjoy Pontypool more. Mm-hmm. I think it's the film that's more rewarding. But man, just going back to the theater, yeah. seeing it in the artsy, fartsy crowd. I would love to see Let the Right One in the theater. I bet that theater was cold as shit. It, it bitter. Very, very bitter. I, I bet like I bet it was like 70 degrees, but once the movie played, it just Woo! went to 40. Just Knees bonk. were locked together, <laughs> chattering, holding hands. People were gathered together. It was an experience. So now, that being said, we talked about this before. Something old, something new. Both mm-hmm. of these films are taking on old monsters, but both of them are bringing something new. Mm-hmm. Which of them brought something new to you, genius? For me, in Let the Right One In, it's the same vampire mythos. It's the same vampire. The only thing they really added new to it was making the vampire just me a bit more r- relatable. Sure. A bit more thing. But zombies through the voice... Imagine how much we talk and imagine how much we listen. Dude, we would be like fucking patient zeros. So like I've never seen a movie. I've seen vampire movies where you can kill them with stakes and shit. I've sure. never seen a zombie movie where the wrong word turns you into a zombie and that's all you can say. That to me is frightening beyond belief. Mm-hmm. I can stay away from vampires. I can't stay away from talking. You know what I'm saying? So I got to go Pontypool. That works. That works. And I'm. this came out in 2008. Twitter, I think, was in its infancy around mm-hmm. 2008. I know it existed. 140 characters. Well, I think what's interesting is this kind of film, Kind of, you can look at it. I Ultimately, a good zombie film needs to have maybe some sort of social satire, mm-hmm. some sort of narrative that goes beyond just the, the gore yeah. that exists. And I think Pontypool, not necessarily prescient, but it's looking at the fact that a hashtag can en- can enrage so many people that so many people can get lost in social media yeah. through one thing or another that you lose yourself you become this rage inflicted one word one idea can create madness and because of that i think that adds another element to the zombies and and everything that you just said before yeah. i think ultimately puts pontypool over the edge so let's count our votes here uh by a count of 3 to 1 shall we give it a term of endearment <laughs> Kill me, kill me, kill me, kill me, kill me. I think I have a feeling that moving Pontypool above Let the Right One In is going to fuck up a lot of people's brackets. It could potentially. It could potentially. <laughs> but I, what I love is this is one of those films that uh, I'm really glad I had a chance to rewatch it again yes. because it made it that much better. I am 100% confident with my decisions on this. I, absolutely. So in the round of the Scream 16, Pontypool, breathing some life into a zombie genre. And that leads us to our next bracket. And... Technically, we've already talked about there's this bracket, especially mm-hmm. most of these films, you really need to be in a certain kind of mood <laughs> yes. to watch. Yeah. And our next pairing here, and we're going to, I'm going to actually pull a little bit of an audible based on the bracket topic. Okay. It was initially more torture porn. Mm-hmm. But again, when you rewatch these films, sometimes you see something that you never saw before. And I'm changing the bracket topic to transcendental torture. Because both of these films have underlying philosophies right. behind them. That's very true. And it wasn't really until this this viewing that I was like, oh, we should we should change that a little bit because I think that'll bring about a little bit deeper discussion. Yeah. Uh, but we are talking Saw Five going up against Martyrs. Mm-hmm. So again, we have some international flair going up with good old fashioned American horror. Which of these two films shall we start talking first? And let's go Saw Five. 
be honest, this was the first time I ever saw it. Mm-hmm. And I'll also be honest, I'm not the biggest Saw franchise fan. Right. I But I know... You, I love the Saw movies. Okay, that's fair. Now, did you see this one in the theater? I saw every single movie Saw movie in the theater, except the new one, except Jigsaw. I missed it because, like, I don't know. I just missed it. Well, so. let me ask you because I feel like I missed the bandwagon with the uh-huh. Saw franchise because there for a while they were always releasing them. On Halloween. Halloween means time for Saw. How nice was that as a horror fan? It was great because you knew another Saw movie was coming. So especially unless you didn't like the Saw movies, then you're like, fuck it. And so. I don't know. I like the first Saw movie, uh-huh. but I think it gets unfairly maligned as torture porn. It's not torture porn. It's right. not. It's, it's more of a. I mean, it's a horror movie. It is straight it's, horror. It's but it's psychological torture. More of a I thriller. Mean, yeah. Because then once you get into the sequels, that's when it expands upon the gore. Here's my tip for people who don't like the Saw movies and think it's just nothing but guts and gore: don't go into it looking. Of course, it's a horror movie, but look at it more along the lines of a long crime epic you know some like, long form storytelling going yes, on yes yes if you look at each one as like an individual episode and like one big like crazy law and order arc you know what i'm saying then you might have like a little bit more because it really does follow along there's a lot of time shifting and time jumping but i if you pay attention to it you can connect the dots i like the saw franchise and that was probably my biggest problem because i i've seen saw two three i didn't see part four um, and that's my biggest issue right there because there is so much connective yeah. tissue with these. And I think if you're a casual fan, you're going to get lost. And that was my problem with this viewing. I didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. As much as they tried to explain things with the flashback format, this, I was just like, okay. I. And the problem with this Saw movie is this is the most um, – it doesn't drive the story. That's what I've kind of gathered based on my experience. It doesn't drive the story. This one ties up a lot of the loose ends, but it really doesn't. One one thing the Saw movies, two things the Saw movies are known for. For those of those who people who just know of the Saw movies, it's known for extreme violence and gore. Right. Which is true. There's always those elements. But for the people who are fans, it's also known for a very good twist at the end that leads and follows the story, finding out that, spoilers, finding out that Amanda's actually part of the whole thing, mm-hmm. finding out that the doctor is part of the whole thing, finding out the cop is part of the whole thing. This one had no twist. It was a basic procedural one good cop being framed by a bad cop. Do you think if it didn't have the saw pet well it had to have the saw pedigree, but if you don't if you don't think that people were looking for that twist, do you think people would enjoy this one a little bit more? No, because half the fun of the saw movies is that twist, is the continuing of the story mm-hmm. to find out where Jigsaw goes on. That one didn't have this twist. And I think this one is one of the most reviled amongst the Saw fans. I read that. This one is the one because the first three to me are fantastic. Four was a little bit okay. Six was good. Seven was all right. But this one really was like the worst of the series. This one is Halloween six. Well, I was going to say, sometimes the worst Saw, though, is sometimes better than the best other horror film that you'll get out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Where, where do the kills line up for you? Because as you mentioned, mm-hmm. even the most casual fan knows Saw for the gore. Where does it fall for you? On five for yeah. kill-wise? Yeah. I think my the, the first, I think number two and number three were the most cringe-inducing of them. Does that have more to do with Bowsman, do you think? I think so. In some well, of his direction? Well, when he threw... When the, when he threw uh, in part two, it made me cringe to this day when he threw Shawnee Smith in that pit of needles. That 
Ah, yeah, that is quite that, awful. Yeah. We're both get, making little T Rex arms right now, right? And then another one where he they, he literally wanted a pound of flesh, so they had to take a pound of flesh from stuff like that. This one, the kills were not that inventive. I mean, and there in, was, in in comparison to the previous. And then another good thing about it is, is the people that Jigsaw captures. They are all connected somehow, and they further along the story. Mm-hmm. Even the ancillary characters, oh, you work for the blood bank that he got denied. There's no by. real side character that's there's meaningless. No, yeah, there's, and, and in this one, all the side characters are meaningless. All the people that he trapped really have no stake in the game. So for me, this is the weakest of the franchise. Um, I still like this. I still liked it because it's a Saw movie, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, even the biggest hardcore Friday the 13th fan is going to be like, yeah, this one wasn't as good as this one, but I still liked them all, you know? So this one was not as good as the other, but I still liked it. It was a Saw movie. It wasn't a waste for you to rewatch it, basically. Right, right. Yeah, for me, it was, It was. I like I said, I, I don't think, I can't say that I didn't enjoy it. I was mm-hmm. just lost, and being lost in that narrative it's takes hard. a lot out of it. Absolutely. Because then I'm looking online to see, well, where, who is this person connected to? What mm-hmm. does that mean? And I enjoyed the gore. The traps were great. And that's what, as, as a casual Saw fan, I came for that. I enjoyed that. Perfect. Saw is the Harry Potter of horror because, <laughs> like, if you miss one of the movies, you're, you're, you're fucked. Right? Which character is that? Oh, he was, he was in uh, Dumbledore's office in the first one. And now the defense of the dark arts has a bunch of people <laughs> trapped up to a torture device. So. It's, yeah. You, it's a fine line between... Would you like to play a game, Mr. Potter? (laughs) (laughs) Well, which brings us to then a film that very much has... uh, Saw has a reputation Mm -hmm. amongst horror fans, amongst casual horror fans. This has a reputation. This film, this film that it's the genre it's part of, the whole new French extremity, Mm -hmm. this was another one that I did not see in the theater. Mm -mm. It took me a while to get to based on the fact that it was so notorious that this film, I... Hadn't seen it, but I knew of Martyrs, Mm -hmm. and it still packs a punch. This is a film that's a tough watch. You, however, you mentioned it wasn't. It wasn't that gory. I like. I remember being even back in the day when I first saw it. I was like, "Mm, I don't know what all the hubbub is. So it didn't didn't meet your expectations based on what you had heard initially. Right, right. But it didn't disappoint me. No, you know what I'm saying. Not at all. The story was great. Uh, the the whole pathos of it, the twist, and then the reasoning behind what everything was going down that confused me. But upon second, I'm like, holy shit, that makes sense. You know, I'm just like, especially the second watch was the second time viewing was such like almost an epiphany type mm-hmm. thing, like because I remember. You know how like the hype about something of really course. always will shut my shit down. You 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 have issues with the hype machine. Right, it can really kill a lot of films for you. And even back in the day, that was the case. And so when I hear all the, like, oh, it's gory, you're gonna, it's gonna haunt your dreams and shit like that. I mean, don't get me wrong, being skinned alive, that's fucked up. The shit that these shooting that kid point blank with a shotgun, that was cold blooded shit. There was some cold blooded shit, but it's nothing I haven't like. And let us not forget, you do a weekly Game of Thrones podcast yeah. with our friend Dustin. Uh, and Media Rewind. So you are familiar with Flane, yeah. with all of this nastiness that goes on. That's crazy, though, the fact that it's not as bad as most people We're think. We're almost desensitized to this right. level. I mean, maybe for the normies, it's <laughs> yeah, well, hardcore. Yeah. This is something that I can't really recommend to people I work with. Right. Without You should see Martyrs. It's great. I'm going to end up on an HR list right, right there. Right. 
but it's not and, and i'm sure there's a whole bunch of other horror fans especially gorehound's been like yeah it's not that bad i mean it's bad but it's it's it deserves its reputation for normies, mm-hmm. but not necessarily for hardcore horror. Well, house. what I think, when, and what I really like about it is, I think the gore actually adds to the narrative. It does. And what the filmmaker is trying to put out there. And see, that's where I think it turns a lot of people off because the gore is absolutely necessary to the story. It, and with a lot of the French Asian or French, I want to say Tarantino's Asian extreme, a lot with the French, uh, the French, new French extremity. Ex- yeah. Yeah. A lot of it was just gore. A lot of it was just throwing buckets of blood for the same for the sake of throwing buckets of blood. But this one was elevated because it it serviced. When you learn of the nefarious organization yeah. and what they are doing to people, making them martyrs, yeah. and this definitely goes back to growing up in a Catholic upbringing. Martyrdom is one thing. For this context it's entirely something different right it's this transcending to the other side through extreme torture mm-hmm. and that little bit at the end when they go through all the various martyrs and they're like look in their eyes they're still alive and th- they had that just just glazed almost euphoric just not their type <clears throat> everything was right and wrong with the world at the same time mm-hmm. it was a, and this movie also vision. falls in a, it's a revenge film as well mm-hmm. absolutely a revenge film and and, and you it's so weird because you think that this chick, you know, she went through some hardcore shit. Well, the fact that the, you have it's her representation of the trauma she's dealing with is this horrible creature as mm-hmm. girl, which is terrifying. Very terrifying. The girl that that haunting mm-hmm. the apparition was beyond scary than any of the torture in the whole thing. She just looked it's, it's like the, it's your psyche. It's what yeah. you deal with. Her and Zelda are gonna like team up and make chaos, but ultimately. And the, the the fact that you go through this uh, journey with both Anna and oh, I can't, I'm trying to remember the other girl, Lucy, I believe. Yeah, Lucy. The, like you said, the pathos involved when ultimately, and both of these films, both you know, especially this one, just so dour. Yeah, you. There's no good endings on any of the well, whole, and it's the, the whole bracket. The ambiguity, especially the ambiguity of this film. What do you? Yeah. What, on this, dare I say, is martyrs the? Um, the lost in translation of horror with the little what do they say at the uh-huh. very end? What do you think she says that leads Mademoiselle to do what she does? Either there's nothing or it's beyond wonderful. Right. Because if there's nothing that shatters her world, like fuck it. But if it's beyond wonderful, I want to get there. I want to get there right now. So it's not like, meh, it's all right. You know? Like yeah, I can take it or leave it. You know? It's so I I would like to think my heart of hearts that it's horrible because for that movie. Sure. Because I'm not gonna conjecture what's going on. Of but, course. But you know, for her like fuck. For her whole life work to be for not. Yeah. That was hardcore. I really loved that ending. And I I sometimes I bitch about ambigu- ambiguous mm-hmm. endings, but not with this one. This one made it so This one will good. lead you to discussion discussions yeah. and Ultimately, like I said, this is one of those films that, to me, kind of haunted me the same way uh, Antichrist did when mm-hmm. I saw that. It was one of those films I did not want to recommend to anyone right. because I didn't want to but it's be still that person, but it still stayed in my head. And I love the way it pulled the wool over my eyes because I thought for like the first time I saw it, I thought that Lucy was just crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know some horrible shit, and you know mm-hmm. people have problems with BTS, and especially in horror, mm-hmm. you know, it, it causes people to go down a murderer's path, and she fucking murders that family with out any remorse and so when i was like this chick is crazy as shit and then finally when I realized that she's not and she was 100 percent right on 
it just made it that much more. This is fucked up. This story was more fucked up than the gore. Oh, yeah. And I oh, think yeah. that's where people get it switched. You know? Oh, it's such a gory. And it's because of the reputation. Yeah. And yeah. I wonder how many people miss out on this film based because on that. they say that. Yeah. And it's like, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as you think. What you can think of is probably significantly. And I'm not saying it's a Disney movie by any but, means, you know? Yeah, this is not the transitional terror. Right. No, this is this is hardcore horror, and it is in the gore for a factor. But this would definitely be in an advanced studies level film. Yeah. But it's not like... Yeah. Well, only only one of these can go forward to the next round. So let's go ahead and start showing our work. Uh, Saw, Saw 5 versus Martyrs. Mm-hmm. Genius McGee, which one of these two films is closer to your heart? Saw 5. Uh, just because of the Saw franchise, uh, the fans seeing in the theater, I didn't I celebrate its entire catalog. <laughs> like I said, I kinda, I'm kind of i jealous of the fact that there for that long stretch, every Halloween you had a horror-based movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't see either of these in the theater. Martyrs, I think, ultimately was a better watch because the Saw yeah. 5 was my first time watching. So just based on that, I've got to go with Martyrs. Mm-hmm. But now ultimately, and this is what I want to talk about, is the bracket topic, Transcendental Torture. Both of these films, especially when you get to Jigsaw's original yeah. philosophy about why he did what he His did. His main game. You know, make people... Truly appreciate what you have. You t- mm-hmm. We take so many things for granted. And the, the, his, the, the fact that his whole thing started with was that he initially survives the, was it the car accident? No, he survives the car accident and finds out that he has brain cancer. And then his, he makes it his life work. To make people better by choosing their own choices. And I love that philosophy. That's, I love that philosophy. And that's what I think is a very cool element of Saw that I sometimes get things gets lost in the gore, mm-hmm. in its reputation, that there's something truly thought-provoking. We talked about Pontypool being heavy. Yeah. Saw movies, if you take strip away the reputation that it has and some of the last, last uh, the worst sequels of them, it's still really powerful and really good. I mean, if you like I said, you got to strip away all the hokiness, but yeah. And then we've just talked about the the the, uh, the philosophy behind the martyrs, and you have mm-hmm. this group of people whose life mission is to see what is on the other side. Yeah, you know, through religion, we're taught that we are going to have these many riches upon leaving this body, but we don't know for certain. Right, and just almost the arrogance <laughs> of trying to such arrogance. <laughs> And such, but the hubris Uh leads to that. I think to try and get to the other side before it's our time and find out the secrets of the world before we really are ready for it. And you want to talk about like a twisted ways to look at like Maslow's hierarchy because Maslow's hierarchy it's all about establishing your base needs Mm -hmm. so you can transcend. And man, for that organization and transcendence, what they you want to talk about having all your base needs met. They have money. They have power. Mm-hmm. They have this leisure time to advance into these kind of things. That's frightening. And the fact that there's a whole society of them. And they've been doing this for how long? Right. Since like the fucking, since Joan of Arc. <sighs> yeah. So that in and of itself is just beyond frightening for me. And I think also ultimately they're, I think it's, it comes down to the goals. And I think because there's so many more of them, it's been going on for so long. And it's something like she said, what is she? Oh, what is the last day? Uh, Stay in doubt. What did she say? Stay. Oh, yeah. Keep doubting. Keep, keep doubting. doubting. Keep doubting. That still stays with me. And because of that doubting, I'm going to go with Martyrs on Transcendental Torture. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to have to agree, but d- disagree. I think for the long run, if we were talking about the Saw franchise itself, mm-hmm. I think his Jigsaw's reasoning is more in play 
for the division period for his life and for the greater because he wants to put it out for the whole world like you need to fix he's very utilitarian shit, right his philosophy but going five against martyrs this it's no question martyrs and even on a once again the whole thing the whole franchise versus martyrs it might switch to martyrs mm-hmm. i mean because what that organization is trying to do is fiendish fiendish i mean to just take random girls because they even say we find out that it works better Mm -hmm. with women Mm -hmm. and we don't know why but it does and just to torture them at such a young age continuously jigsaw is one and done i mean (laughs) you either get your lesson or you don't it's not years upon years of torture systematic right so martyrs by far is more transcendental like horror Literally, so yeah. Martyrs. David Lynch would appreciate the transcendentalism. Don't dream it. No, that's Cronenberg. Yes. All right. <laughs> so with three votes to one, it looks like Martyrs has made Saw Five a martyr uh-huh. and is moving on to the next round into the Scream Sixteen. So congratulations, Martyrs, which leads us to our last bracket and our last pairing of films. <laughs> and it's really nice, actually, with these particular films, we get to go harken back to more of the monsters. Mm-hmm. You know, we said monsters with zombies and vampires, but, but creatures. even beyond creatures, the creature creatures. feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our particular to- bracket topic is uh, Nature Rung Amok, and we have The Ruins going up against The Burrowers. Mm-hmm. Genius, which one do we start with? Let's start with The Burrowers. I was late to the game on The Burrowers. Me too. This was one I did not see in the theater, mm-hmm. but this was a lovely rewatch this was the first watch for me. Was it? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. What did you think? I fucking loved it. I loved this movie. It was... There needs to be more horror westerns. There absolutely needs to be more good horror westerns. The first thing that re-watching this was I'm wondering how many people are going to see Bone Tomahawk, Tomahawk. Yeah. and hopefully make their way back to the burrowers. I hope so, too. I hope so, too. And, and then and t- top it off with Dead Birds. <laughs> That's a good like Western horror. I have not seen that one yet. It's fucking great. Is it? Yeah. Denver's is to, dope. Well, two two words. One man made this, and why I think it works so well. But Clancy, Clancy Brown. Brown, Clancy Brown. God damn it! He shows up, and I'm like, "It's Clancy Brown." Yes. And so like, much like, dare I say, the B version of Richard Jenkins, uh-huh. you know. But like, you know, you throw Clancy Brown in a film, and it elevates it. Yeah. You know, he's going to take his his role and make it into something better and mm-hmm. therefore make the film into something better mm-hmm. and this is like you said it's ultimately it is a western it is a hardcore western first and foremost yeah. with that horror element and with that kind of genre blending that goes on i know sometimes that can go bad yeah based on your budget but i think everything that they put forward works well it looked like it was significantly a bigger movie than it was and it was the sweeping shots the mm-hmm. cinematography on this was exceptionally well for especially because it didn't get a theatrical run it was a straight to this dvd was straight- but for wow and ultimately what i think especially back around 2008 is a lot of people thought direct to dvd was crap just, yes but and you, still to this day people like oh or like sci-fi channel or, or mm-hmm. if they come if it's or even a, netflix or any original or dvd straight to the they're like oh this movie is bullshit which is not the case granted you have to wade through a lot of that right. bullshit to find some gold but there are some fucking there, gold there still be gold in these there, hills <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the Western theme, uh, but also the creatures themselves. That's what ultimately mm-hmm. makes or breaks a film like this. And with this particular film, initially, I was I, I thought this was like Tremors from the West. Right. But not necessarily. They're mean. They're And they're practical. That's the beauty. Yeah. That in 2008, we've even in the night in 98, you saw more melding of the uh-huh. CGI. So it was refreshing to go back and look and say, hey, 
This is these a things, practical trick. They created a creature. They create and they puppeted it. Mm-hmm. They had like little people in costumes doing crazy shit with it. It showed how like a, a weird loving homage to westerns yeah. and 80s horror creature features. And you're getting that in 2008. Yeah. Which is wonderful. Yeah. It was a pleasant. This one was a, such a pleasant surprise. And this is directed by J.T. Petty. And I only mentioned that because he's going to be actually be on the movie crypt here very soon. And I had a chance to shoot him a question. So hopefully that'll show up there. Loved it. I was excited. And I loved the, just the timing. Yeah. The serendipitous timing. I was like, holy shit, we're getting ready to talk about this. And they're bringing him on. So I was like, there's a reason this one nice. showed up. Now, pairing this then with The Ruins, mm-hmm. which is a film based on a book. And mm-hmm. I had heard a lot about the book. Me too. And this is one that actually I did see in the theater. Me too. Your experience, Genius McGee. I left the theater disappointed. Like really, like angrily disappointed. What was it that set you off? I don't know. It was because I liked the gore. I like the there's some kill. really there's some good, really good gore. There's intense some really body good horror gore. going yeah. on with this film. I liked I liked the I kind of liked the creature. I kind of didn't. I think my main problem was I hated the characters. They were annoying. They were the ugly Americans. Yeah. And I wanted to see them die and not nice in a painful way. And I was almost like hurry up movie kill them please that's never a good sign with your film yeah but ultimately i mean if you even go back to like some of the slashers a lot of them were designed ultimately for the characters to be disposable right but in this one i think they're trying to make you care for the characters but as you mentioned work because they're all like i said of the ugly americans there's a lot of entitlement going on there yeah but ultimately even the comeuppance itself isn't all that sweet because it's still pretty ugly in and of itself let me ask you this the creatures so with the ruins we don't necessarily get a creature per se as a botanical monster, body. right? But we get vines. Mm-hmm. We get vines, and and that can work. The Cosby Willow, um, uh. <coughs> the uh, the Day of the Triffids, right? Um, Ch- invasion of the Body Snatchers. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Even like if it just the way they did it, the way that they came in, and they got gotcha you in there. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. What really angered me. Was there was a couple of scenes where you could see it was a guy With, in a in a, a vine suit like ooga booga coming coming to I get you. I didn't. I don't think I ever caught that in in the cave when they're looking for the phone mm-hmm. and the the there's the jump scare. It's totally a dude like raw like wearing like a moss outfit. And then, god damn it, the the what really angered me was the flowers when they belled or they screamed you could see like the little uh what's it called stipias like moving and stuff i'm like that's dumb <laughs> that is extremely dumb to me like i i just like i can throw away disbelief and a lot of stuff but i was like ringing flowers this is too wonderland it's yeah, too wonderland it just took you out of it and like if you're gonna do something with the mexican pyramids and stuff don't like just Hey, here's a couple of like little flowers or something. Let's explore more of the ruins. Explore more of the the the, the things. I want to see a little bit more of the monsters. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. I just was like, I didn't care for the characters and I didn't care much for the flowers. Yeah. Well, and ultimately, when you can find them all in one space, you really can't bring anyone else in. And I thought that the only one that I liked was the character was the creepy German that yeah. I thought was going to rape him or kill him or something. I totally thought he was the bad guy. Nope. No, he's he was like the only one. Well, let's wait till the Greeks get there. The Greeks aren't coming, goddammit. 
Stop talking about the Greeks. And then the way that it just ended was just like, hey, there's more people. I'm like, kill them. Yeah. Or do something. Don't just like, everything's fine now. Ah! Well, I love the fact that the, the end shot is basically us ugly Americans. Ultimately, we're the ones that are going to infect and fuck everything up ultimately <laughs> yeah. with the quarantine. Um, final thoughts on the ruins or the burrs before we uh, start showing our work? I enjoyed this bracket immensely. Even though I'm angry at the ruins, I, w I needed to rewatch it. Anytime we get to watch a creature feature, <coughs> it's always a good and time. And the fact that like the, the burrowers was my first time, and it's a, a new little practical creature that I really enjoyed. And it's one you'll revisit again. Yes. That's what's even better. And that's something that we talk about all the time here on the podcast is repeated viewings of films and how they change. Because it's fucked up the way that they do it. They fucking like, slash you and paralyze you, and then they bury you till you rot. So you basically become kimchi. <laughs> this would make a great pairing with Bone Tomahawk. Yeah. I'm telling you. So ah. let's go ahead. Uh, Genius McGee, which of these two films, The Ruins or The Burrs, is closer to your heart? I saw The Ruins in the theater, and I didn't like it then. So I'm going to go The, <laughs> go the Burrs. I saw it in the theater. I actually had a good time in the theater with it. The body horror, the... That when she's digging into her flesh with a that knife. Was, that was great. That was great. It was, and it was early on still in a relationship where I could have someone curl up into me. And I was like, oh, this is a wonderful movie. For that, I got to go with The Ruins. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, which of these two films regarding um, you is going to be a better uh, nature run amok film? Well, if it was nature run amok, I should say that the evil plants, but there's something about a new creature that yep. came from earth that yep. underground and they said that it's been going on every 27 years or something like cicadas yes they come ah, up see, yes like cicadas they seasonal. come up and they do that i'd love that aspect of it and the fact that you're not safe for a good season um and you know what a new practical creature versus plants are, is always going to win with me. So. And I'm going to agree with you on the same vote as well because I do like that seasonal aspect of everything. Mm -hmm. And there's there's something to be said with nature run amok that it's something that we can't control. Right. Regardless of, you know, you, we mentioned the arrogance of us Americans coming in and thinking mm -hmm. we can just do whatever we want. But ultimately, no, we are at the beck and call of Mother Nature in one way or the other. She's going to win. She is. And so, speaking of winning, by votes of three to one, the burrowers have come beneath the ruins and have made their way into the Scream 16. That was a good come into the burrowers bird from the I like that. Well, you know, that we got to nice. do what we can here. Visual. So we have four films moving on here. We have The Strangers going to be matched up against Pontypool. Yeah. Is is Ponty home? <laughs> and then we'll have Martyrs going up against the Burrowers. Mm -hmm. And in our next round, we are going to be bringing in uh, two more podcasts. We're going to be bringing in uh, Adrian Torres from the Horrorversary podcast mm -hmm. and making a return appearance on Nightmare Junket, uh, Heather Wixon yes. from the Corpse Club podcast. I like Heather. It's going to be a good time. And Make sure, listen in, because we're going to expand upon the conversation, mm -hmm. especially when Adrian and Heather know their shit. Yes, they so do. So I guarantee we are going to get some enhanced conversations going on this Friday. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we will see you in your dreams. Mm -hmm.